We have so many cool things going on with the Good Athlete Project right now. I don't even know where to start. It's powerlifting season, folks. And for those who are in that world, the way that we do it, um, I'm telling you, it ranks with the best out there. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not going to make us more than we are, but I'll tell you, I've not seen a team-based powerlifting uh, meet run quite the way that we've run these meets. We won't host a meet that's not co-ed. We make sure that our meets are embedded with character development staples. Uh, we try to go beyond strength and make sure that the stuff that happens on the day of competition transfers into the other areas of someone's life. If not, you know, a bench press is only cool for so long. A big bench press, you know, whatever. Um, it's valuable, but the work that you do to get there is probably the thing that you need to remember most. How did you get to your big bench press and where can you apply those character staples, those processes, where can you apply them in the rest of your life? That's the question. All right, so coming up, we've got the Midwest Collegiate Meet coming. Uh, the hosts are going to be uh, St. Olaf College. There's a powerlifting club out there full of great guys. There's a chapter of the Good Athlete Project out there full of great people. We're all going to come together and create one of the best meets of the year. I'm convinced of it. We've got good folks from all around. It should be a lot of fun. We also have the Lion Invitational. That's a high school meet out in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Um, check out IHSPLA.com for the full schedule of events. Some very cool people doing some very cool things with the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association. Also, it's, in the, you know, it's down the road just a little bit, but keep June 9 on your calendars. We are hosting a 5K in the Chicagoland area. Exact location yet to be determined, but uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be a fun day. The weather will have turned. It's going to be a great day to kind of be a part of good athlete project and and meet some of the people much of our ambassador board will be there a lot of friends family and just good folks from all around chicago keep that in mind finally if you have any interest in getting involved especially if you like social media we are looking for interns okay no one collects a paycheck at the good athlete project all of our work is volunteer so if you're open to a volunteer internship with one of the fastest growing sports-based nonprofits in the world. We want to talk to you. I think we got some really cool things going on. We're looking to, to offload some of those uh, responsibilities. And if you've got passion and interest, um, and especially if you've got experience in social media, I sure hope you'll reach out. Find us at goodathleteproject at gmail.com uh, or you can reach out to jim at goodathleteproject.com alex at goodathleteproject.com he does a lot of our logistics he'd be a great person to reach out to as well so find us or of course as always at coach for kindness on social media so hope to talk to you soon uh and settle in for a great podcast i'm telling you this one's legit welcome to the good athlete podcast the voice of the good athlete project if you are a coach and you have a Twitter account, you probably already know who Coach Hines is. The guy built a powerhouse football program at Bedford High School in New Hampshire from 2008 to about 2014. He took Bedford to the New Hampshire State Finals in three different divisions over a four-year period. And in 2012, he earned Coach of the Year recognition. What I think is so interesting about him is that he was not only the head coach, offensive coordinator, and running backs coach, but he was also the team's strength and conditioning coach. And that is, I'll tell you from firsthand experience, such a valuable component. Think about it. Uh, the football season is three months. The offseason is nine months. You get nine months with a kid over the course of four years. That is really meaningful time spent. So he really has worked hard on developing cultures and creating programs, and he has now taken that Coronado, California, where he coaches the Coronado Islanders. This guy is a varsity football coach dedicated to winning games, 
loves strength and conditioning, hard-nosed, knows when to turn on the heat, all that kind of stuff. But he's also kind and generous and has such a positive message. And it's got to come at least in part from his day job as an elementary school teacher. That's something super impressive. He's working with kids first through fourth grade uh, all day. And then he goes onto a football field or he goes into a weight room and he has to kind of flip a switch. But there are messages that transfer back and forth between those locations. Anyway, I could go on and on about this guy, but look, you'll be able to find out pretty quickly in our interview that he is a real deal. He is completely bought in. He is, he cares about the, what he's doing, the people he's doing it with, his family, and the most important components of sports as education. We are proud to be associated with today's guest, Coach Kurt Hines. thought about getting into coaching until uh, my senior year in college mm-hmm. and uh, just, just happened upon a teacher needed someone to uh, coach a flag football not special Olympics but special needs team mm-hmm. grabbed a buddy of mine that played fullback and he said Billy let's let's give this a shot and uh, long story short the first time I saw it was a, a young lady I think a young girl in seventh grade catch a football and it was probably a four yard pass the look on her face, her eyes lit up, and the smile she had was infectious. And I remember, I remember nothing else about that day. I just, I just remember that moment and that you talk about the light going on and that that feeling of that's what I want to do. Yeah, I, I, I already knew I was, you know, going for education, but I was like, I want to coach. So uh, that was my first coaching experience and the aha moment of that's powerful, that's cool, you know. Yeah. No, totally, man. That's uh, and there's something so unique about that. Um, it, it it just cannot be replicated in other areas of the school. And and I I always kind of give a disclaimer when I say that because like I mean I take academics really seriously and I value all the uh, the teachers that I had. You know they're incredible, they're incredible teacher coaches, but they're incredible exclusively teachers out there. I don't want to take anything away from them, but even. I'll speak only from my own experience, I guess, but I imagine this applies to the population. Okay, psychology was my favorite subject. I never walked into a psych class the way I walked onto the field on a Friday night. It, or, or, you know what I mean? Right. And, and the moment that you just described, as incredible and empowering as that is for that young woman, like there are small glimpses that might have, you know, they might have a glimmer of that sort of empowerment in the classroom, but like you just can't find that in other places. You yeah, know, exactly. it, it's, it's incredible. The power of sport. I mean, it's it's wild. Anyway, so sorry we got onto that. We um, I, I got to tell you, New Hampshire is one of my favorite spots. By the way, I love New we, Hampshire. We, we love it. We my wife and I love raising our kids there, mm-hmm. and our lives there were great. We're blessed. Now that I've been in San Diego for, for four years, I don't know what the heck I was doing. Really? Because I'm, I'm, I'm you, know, you you guys know winter in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of. Driving in snow, shoveling snow, ice raking, you know, snow raking off, off a roof and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, live, we live a spoiled life here down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're, we're glad we raised our family, our kids in the Northeast because they learned to be tough and mm-hmm. to do hard work. And that's not a knock on people in San Diego. But, you know, 90% of the time we're like, would well, you want to go on a hike? Do you want to go to the beach? Yeah. It, it's an easy life. So uh, we yeah. love the Northeast. But uh, if you haven't been to San Diego yet, you to come out for a visit. Well, uh, I accept that invitation. Alex, you ready for this? Yeah. 
you sure. didn't know what you were asking. We're gonna pack our bags because, <laughs> dude, it's it was like an ice storm today. Oh, I mean, the car was iced over the whole deal. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see you before too long. Yeah, tomorrow to uh, to speak at a clinic in Utah, and, I, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I my friends and family who know me, I just I don't wear pants. I don't wear leg prisons. I call them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a shorts guy. I, I was in the Northeast. I was snow blowing the shores. I coaching shorts. And, so uh, they asked me if I was going to you know, wear pants to Utah. I'm like, no, I'm not wearing pants. No I'm chance. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, but I'm not wearing pants. Right, you know? right. But uh, it's an open invitation if you guys ever make it out here. I appreciate that very much. I really do, man. The, uh, I I, I got I to tap on that idea because I think you're right. I think um, gratitude is such an important part from, from your message from of, of your life. It's absolutely part of our lives and what we do. Um it seems to me that something like there's an incredible metaphor there, like to really appreciate California, you have to have been on top of your roof raking freaking snow. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the comparison. It's like Chicago. Uh, I'm sure it was like this in New Hampshire spring in Chicago is like the greatest thing ever, mostly because you've just gotten through the winter. Yes. Do you think yeah. that, does that apply to you? Oh, hundred, hundred percent. And as you mentioned, it, it, it can go from where we live with our families to I love winning football games because I've lost more games than I can remember. I've had my mm. teeth kicked in time and time again. So you love that. I, I have failed on squatting or deadlifting or cleaning certain weights mm-hmm. more times than I care to remember. And that's why when I do make that lift, it feels so good. So actually, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, a cliche or a Hallmark card, but you can't really appreciate the light until you've been through the darkness, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it applies to all aspects of life. Absolutely. There's, there's no question. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I too, I'm like, I'm skeptical of cliches. I, I, I want to stay away from them as much as possible, but some things are just so darn true that like, it's just unavoidable. And that, and yeah. that's like, uh, I'll not to nerd out too much, but there's a book over right behind the computer there by Robert Sapolsky about be, it's called behave. It's essentially the biology of humans and, and the way we work and stuff like that. And we all develop thresholds. Uh, you know what I mean? So like if, if your your threshold essentially rise to meet your demand, you want to be careful that you don't jump the top end of a threshold um, too often, but you will kind of operate within it and you can only appreciate things on a relative scale, right? Like why does the first day after doubles practices feel like the greatest day you know around or the first barbecue after doubles? That was always our thing. Same idea, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I like okay, so that's actually the transition I was hoping to make. That's queued up. You see that, Alex? That was yeah, actually, the thank you. The segue on point. On point. Uh, so, and and I say that because like um, as you run football practice, I want to just jump right in the nuts and bolts of football because you are one of those guys that can balance. Um, we've got to earn this. Like we've got to push. We've got to be tough. Um, but you know, I, I want to hear directly from you some of the other messaging that you you throw in there and how how do you how do you operate a season approach the psychology of working with kids, all of that stuff. Yeah, I think the first thing for me, the psychology is, and I talk about this all the time, there, there are different words we can use. You know, people that are passionate about life talk about their their platform, their, their vision. For me, it's the why. Why mm-hmm. do we do what we do? Why do you get up in the morning? Um, you mentioned, you know, and once again, I'm not sure how much of this will be on the podcast or not, but before we officially started, some of your background, and I'm not trying to, you know, make you feel too good about yourself, but just hearing you talk about your passion, what you achieved, and then you went to Harvard to get another degree. 
Mm-hmm. Like, not a lot of people do that. A lot of people get to a certain level and look for the easy path and right. feel like, you know, people talk about this youth being entitled and so many people are, I'm older than you, but our age, 40, mm-hmm. 50, 50 are entitled and we think, hey, I've done this for 20 years, 30 years, and we feel like now we should be owed something. Mm-hmm. You know? So when I, when I begin a new season, and it, it's funny because the more I coach, the longer I think about it, I, it's so hard to think about the start of a new season because for some players that do the year-round strength and conditioning, yep. it kind of flows into the next season. That's right. When you finally do get your core group of guys back, when the first day of spring ball starts, mm-hmm. and then the first day of double, so to speak, um, we talk about the power of why. You know, why do we wake up every day? Because it's easy to wake up on a Friday morning. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go to sleep Thursday night. Right, it's easy right. To wake up morning game day. You know, you, you, the shower is a little bit quicker. The drive to work or school is a little bit easier. It's how do you wake up on a Tuesday morning, a Wednesday morning, when you're going through the quote-unquote grind. So we talk, try to get into the mind of the players all the time, is just why do you do the things you do? And not everyone has the same why. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went to a... Um, a football banquet years ago. I had two of my players being uh, recognized for student athletes, you know, achievements. And one of my tackles got up there and big. I almost said dummy. Student athlete, very smart, but mm-hmm. just a stereotypical tackle, big dude. Yeah. And he was talking about football in front of everyone there at the dinner. And he said, "I just like to see it." And then right after him, a very small, very successful little running back from another program stood up, and he was, "I just like making people miss." You know, their wise <laughs> completely different. Right. You know, one to hit people, one like to make you look stupid missing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, my why of coaching, my number one why is to empower people. I want to change lives. And as you mentioned, we have a captive audience. You know, there are times from, from time to time moms and dads that with the best intentions say, you have to play something. Mm-hmm. I have a biased opinion. Football is a tough sport. Yeah. I think if they have to play something, they're going to go to X, Y, or Z and choose something other than football. Right. Um, we have a captive audience of young men, sometimes young women, who want to be there. Mm-hmm. And we have a platform that, through our leadership that we do it right, as you mentioned, we can be intense, we can be relentless and, and over the top. But if we build those personal relationships with them and get to know their why, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, back in my career, I think I've always been blessed with the, the understanding the importance of sharing my why. And as I mature a little bit more now, a little bit, yeah. I realize that that's important, but if we really want to truly empower people, we need to get them to know their why mm-hmm. and express it. And it might be because they come from an abusive situation at home. It might be because they come from the ghetto or in Coronado, which is not the ghetto. Mm-hmm. You know, they live in a multi-million dollar home with more cars, I say they, some, with more cars than they have drivers, but that's what the world sees, and maybe behind closed doors, they're not living in such a nice world. So... I, I, I get excited just as much as I get excited about teaching a certain lift in the weight room or mm-hmm. teaching a tackle the right way and to roll their hips. I get really excited about getting into knowing them as a person and got, kind of figuring out, not kind of, but figuring out what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, not just you, a lot of people don't know what drives them. And that's not just to ask the question, what's your why, and have them find out. Sometimes it takes months and months and years for an individual to find out really what their passion is. So that's, we start every season, I try to, with getting my coaches and I and our players to understand what individually is our why mm-hmm. and how to make that a collective. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of a, a workshop that we run for teams. We call it the Character by Design Workshop. And essentially what we do is we go in um, and we, we, we go in without judgment or pretense and we just say exactly that. What, what do you want? You know, like what do you want? And, and then we will help you articulate a model to help get you there. But we've all kind of got to agree with the big picture. And then at the very bottom of this sort of tree of understanding, uh, then, then you get into the little habitual changes. Like, okay, because we all want this big idea up here, which, we, which we've aligned on, we, it's not someone from the outside coming in telling you, uh, because we all say that we want this, let's all agree to, I don't know, this has become a hot topic recently, prioritize our, our sleep and our rest. You know, like, So we're going to put the phones away, put Fortnite away and, and get to bed so we can you know, wake up tomorrow, so we can lift hard, recover well, so we can ultimately win a championship or whatever people say that they want. And you touched on something that was so good and that was we, we've had the privilege of working with literally thousands of people in the short uh, career of, of the Good Athlete Project so far and, and sometimes what happens is really good, well-intended people are, are cracking open and sharing their why, which is really important. That's often a jumping off point for kids. You have to sort of give them the tools to understand why one might push forward. Um, but, but there's a risk there if you don't do the extra work that you and your staff are doing, which is dig, figure out what their why is. And the risk is like you're imposing your why on someone and it sounds good on paper, but it doesn't actually get the kid out of bed in the morning. Exactly. And I realize I have a young man, I won't say his name, um, comes from a single home. Mom's very well. I don't want to tell too much either. She's very successful, but she's not around a lot. Okay. She's doing a job raising her son, but he's really a. a he's home alone often, mm-hmm. and he said his goal is to play at a very high level collegiately. Yep. His academics show it. His mm-hmm. character is the intangible, but his weight room attendance was that of someone that really didn't care if he started varsity or not, right. let alone the next level. So I had a very good conversation with him, and I said, "You have to. We all have to make sure that our our work ethic matches our why. You know, if we say our goal is to do one thing. We got to make sure that our actions speak louder than our words. Um, and at the same time, as a coach, now as a head coach, I was a head coach in New Hampshire. I have to respect the fact that I have young men on my team that are committed, passionate, dedicated, but they just want to be part of the team. Yep." You know, if they start, that's great. And it doesn't mean they're any less of people. They, they are just as good of people, but maybe their why is, hey, I've got nothing outside of this. I want to be part of something greater than myself. And I have to respect that and not knock that because some kids might only come to the workout. I have one young man who's a ridiculous artist. I, I paint murals on the side and I love art. Yeah. This, this kid knocks me out of the park. I mean, this kid is good. Mm. And I said to him today, I said, you know, I won't again say his name. I said, if you, if you put half the effort into the weekend, as you do into your artwork, man, you'll be unstoppable. And as I said that, I looked at him, he smiled, I left it at that, and I walked away for a second to coach someone else up. Then I pulled him out to the hall, and I said, what, and I had to pull myself down, I said, what's your goal? And he told me what his goals were with football, and it was to be a starter, and he does want to do that. Right. But I had to remind myself, maybe he doesn't want to be a starter in football, maybe he just wants to be a stud artist, you know, a great mm-hmm. artist who happens yeah. to play football. So yeah, I, I always have to remind myself as well. I, yeah. I don't want to say I'm something I'm not. I need to right. slow myself down often and say, get to know their why. Yeah. It's a yeah. I I I do know. I see that all the time. Like that's exact. You're exactly right. And it's funny that you say that. I actually just handed something to Alex. Um, 
I'm I'm pretty big into the arts too, so we're gonna send you some stuff. I actually there's just uh, some just published an article on that today. Uh, okay. I want to see some of your work. I'll show you some of the stuff that I paint uh, as well. Um, but the um, yeah, that makes sense. And and when you think about the ecosystem of a team, like you aren't going to have 80 people who are the Brett Favre put the ball in my hand at the end of the game people that's just not how it works and I think people I, I think a lot of teams who have sustained success recognize that fact and the, the infinite number of touch points that happen on a team over the course of a season most of them are not about like what player are we going to run on fourth and one in the goal you know in, in the red zone most of it is like is social interaction. So you know, having those kids who genuinely just want to be out there and and be part of something and make friends and and sure maybe they do like to compete and they like to be out in the you know they like to be active all that kind of stuff. Wonderful. But um, when you say like you know they're they're no less part of the team, I like I think that's not only is that absolutely true, but I think the best coaches at least at our level where guys aren't getting paid to play. Um, recognize that those guys are not just like welcome to the team; they're essential to it. And here, here, here's a, a I don't want to say perfect story. I don't know, lack of better perfect story that goes along with that. When I was a head coach in New Hampshire, my last four years, we went to the state championship three out of the four years. We didn't win it once. We mm-hmm. didn't win it once. That, that disclaimer. Um, but we were very competitive. We, each time it was the higher division. Um, so my last year, as I said, we were eleven and zero in Division One. You know. Played. We had 1,200 students. We were playing a school that had 3,200, and they, they destroyed us more than they should have. Um, but we had 144 players in our program, freshmen through seniors, mm-hmm. in my last four, three, three years. 144 players. Yeah. My head, my my offensive line coach, who became the head coach when I left, who I am great friends with now. Yeah. He and I had a lot the first few years. Just mm-hmm. different coaching philosophies. Um. Since I've left, they've won the state championship twice in four years. Wow. So he knows football. He's passionate. The guy has done amazing things. The numbers have gone from 144 to they have high 60s, low 70s now. Program-wide. Wow. So much from freshmen through seniors. Wow. Um, and, and this is a compliment to him. He's doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. He is building or continuing to build a powerhouse program yep. and winning championships, which we didn't. We won conference championships and division championships but not the state title, and he's won too. But it's a different philosophy as far as the kids you want around, and I think there's power in that. Not not just there being strength in numbers or depth. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, he's having great success, but if my true goal is to empower people, it's not just going to be about the ring you win. Mm-hmm. It's the relationships you build, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and uh, we have sort of a tagline um, that you know this whole thing it's about results and relationships those are the two measures of, of quality and and that goes back to that tough kind balance because like you don't want to lose every game when that you know obviously the result matters to you know to a degree um, but would you exchange it for terrible relationships um, if you're being thoughtful probably not but if you can if you can build them both up simultaneously we think that those things are mutually enhancing um, yeah. but you know, and, and like you say, like to each his or her own for sure. But, uh, but, it, but it's clear that you've got that other thing. I also got to mention this. Alex and I looked at each other when you said this other thing. Um, I don't remember what the term was at this point, but, uh, does your work ethic match your why? Does your work ethic match your why? I love that idea. That is literally, that's sort of the cornerstone question we ask every team 
person and organization we get involved with, and that is, does your behavior match your goal? So we have it, it's a very similar mentality, and and we use that, and it's it's amazing. I, I wonder if if you found the same thing, but it's amazing how uncomfortable people sometimes get with that question, you know, because we all kind of like if you say, I don't know what it might be, but like. Um, when you stay up eating cookies and, and to whatever, you know, right. person A, does that actually map on to the behavior, the goal that you said? I'm not telling you to do this. You said you wanted to do this. Do these Are these things in line? Have you found that? Are people sometimes uncomfortable to confront that idea? Absolutely. And, and to be completely transparent and to embarrass myself, <laughs> I was at the gym the other day working out. Um, I finished with my team, so I was going to do a little cardio on my own, and I don't like cardio, so I was proud of myself for doing it, but I'm sitting there, and I, I had this thought come out of how many workouts we have as a team before spring ball. Mm-hmm. Our days are limited, so I was about to put a little video out there, and I do those little little videos, yep. and I talk about, you know, hey, how many times do we find ourselves saying, hey, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow, and then I thought, dang, it, that's a running joke in my house, and my wife and I and our kids saying, hey, I'll start Monday, I'll start Monday. Now we're yeah. we're in shape. We take care of ourselves, sure. but I need to. We all need to practice what we preach because I'm in good shape. Rounds of shape, so I'm in good shape. <laughs> That's um, right. But uh, but, but I want to be in better shape, so sure. I, I have to continue as long as God allows me to, and gives me the the able body to continue to lead by example. So so our players can not just hear the words we say. Mm-hmm. Be like, all right, you know, coach, coach is practicing what he preaches, and that comes for me down from our diet and exercise to our breaking down film to our having family time. Yeah, I think it's such a joke with with respect to to a lot of coaches. Where so many coaches talk about helping build better husbands and fathers. But then how many coaches shun their families during the football season? There you go. Well your basketball season. And and when I when I became a head coach in in New Hampshire, I told my assistant coaches we will never have a coaches meeting on Sunday. Hmm. Like what? I'm like, family comes first. Now that sounded great on paper. It felt great saying it. Sure. But our first year we lost every game. So we had a coaches meeting at the end of the season, and I had a lot of young coaches fresh out of college, single or just married, no kids. Said, "Now we're going to meet on Sundays." I said, "No." Right. And like what? And I said, "I said, guys, I believe in this. It's part of my why." You know. Mm-hmm. And I said, "I don't want to empower as much as I love my team. I don't want to empower 144 or 60, whatever it is, young men." Mm-hmm. And Hurt my family, right? And then we went to, and they said, "Now we're to, you know." So it took about three or four years to build the belief in them to say, "Okay, you can do this now." So when I got the job here in Coronado, one of the first things I said was, "We are going to work like dogs. We're going to work harder and smarter than mm-hmm. we want our players to, but we will never meet on Sundays unless we're with our families or a cookout or whatever." Hmm. And a little bit of an older staff who have kids, and, and they get it, so it was yeah. great yeah. to do that. But uh, you know, we, we need to practice what we preach. Uh, that's um, yeah. I mean, modeling is super important. Obviously, the kids are watching. We we may not think they are, but um, yeah. That I mean, I can't tell you how many stories just kind of popped into my mind through what you were saying. A big part of what we do comes back to the physiology that we should be teaching to our kids. I'm not a physical education teacher, but I think when it's done well, it's the most important subject that exists because it applies to every kid. It's the yeah. only kind of universal subject and whether you know if you like if you're an AP bio kid or you're in the arts or whatever it might be, you 
like the physical you is still the thing that you're bringing to meet all that information. It's the thing that you're bringing to practice, etc. And and it and I've had this discussion recently. Coaches are, you know, one thing that I think coaches are willing to do and kind of practice what they preach on is uh, just grind. And I and I wonder if that is uh, a sort of unintentionally transferring in ways that aren't super successful. And and tell me if you've had this experience, but you know, if, if you are just crazy exhausted as a coach, haven't seen your family, you're you're sleep deprived, you're you know malnourished in certain ways, or you're eating you know, just kind of crummy food because it's what's available when you're breaking down film and all that kind of stuff. First of all, what kind of quality X's and O's are you parsing out and dividing? You know, what kind of strategy is really going on? And then how good could you possibly be at working with these kids when you're exhausted and, and sleep deprived and all those things? Have yeah. you found that at all? Absolutely. You know, and I think once again, what one of the, sometimes we as a society start certain sayings or businesses or whatever with the best of intentions and yep. you know, we really lose sight. I, I posted something earlier about the little thing on Twitter about, you know, just driving crazy when players work with personal trainers and not with their team. Mm-hmm. Totally. Retweeted support it. And then you get some people with the best of intentions saying, what if the high school doesn't have a good facility or a coach does know what he's doing? And I said, there's always, in my opinion, it's almost never black or white. Right. There's definitely a place and time for personal trainer. If the coach doesn't care, the coach is a bully, if it's not, you know, all these other um, sure. situations. But the whole no days off. T-shirt. Oh, man. Yeah, I tell my guy, and I know I'm preaching in the choir, yeah. like, no days off is going to put you in early grade. Mentally, physically, spiritually, in every way. Our bodies don't grow in the weight room. They grow when we're eating and sleeping. No yep. days off. I can be the best or think I'm the best coach and go seven days a week and nonstop and I might impress a few parents, players or coaches that are new to the game. My marriage isn't gonna last. Right. Like kids aren't gonna know their father. They're gonna know he was a coach and he claimed to be this. So it's uh you know, I I'm blessed with, with my my wife is my best friend. She's my biggest supporter and I try to be her biggest supporter. But I see it all the time. Yeah, the no days off, why? Who you know, I've had coaches before that come in and will claim to watch more hours of film than we have hours in the day. Right. Well, well then, then you're an idiot because it shouldn't take you 15 hours to watch that game. You know. Yes. I okay. Yes. Okay. So you, there are two things. Will you make? Uh, can you make a note? I want to send you this this thing that I just wrote. I address that sort of messaging a little bit in it. It is it is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's clickbait. It's it's completely social media fueled. It is. Um, it will make you if you take no days off, you will be worse. And and like undoubtedly, like that's just the truth of it. And then you mentioned something. It's like this. Uh, it's this old like sleep in the office, watch film all night sort of mentality. And I I'm telling you from my first day out of college when I first joined the uh, varsity staff at Nutri High School, I was like I, I heard of this sort of idea, and I was like, well, those coaches better be winning Super Bowls or championships. Otherwise, what the heck are they doing? And and to your point, it's like if you're watching 15, 18 hours of film and you're not like championship caliber everything, you probably, no offense to anyone who's listening to this, but like let's confront the truth, you're probably just not that good at watching film. Exactly. Yeah. And, couldn't agree more. And yeah. this game's been the same because I'm a Cowboys fan through and through. Yep. Being from New England, mm-hmm. all my, my wife, so many of my family friends are Patriots fans. Bill Belichick, whether you love him or hate him, is arguably one of the, if not the greatest coaches. Even Absolutely. if he wins six Super Bowls, seven, ten, twenty, 
if he's not, I'm, I'm not putting, I'm just as an example. Sure. What, what are we, if, if that's our goal in life to win more rings, we go down in history and that's it, that's great. But if our goal is to be well-rounded, to have balance, to have a family and friends and a life, then, then we need to look at it really and say, what am I doing? If we want our, our players to really become better young men or mm-hmm. young women and to really be successful, it goes back to our why. How do we define success? One of the things I'm, I'm going to begin, I'm, I'm speaking on two different topics this weekend, and the first one is um, the power of why. And the, the first thing I say to them, I forget how I word it, I'll, I have it in my notes obviously, is I'm one of the greatest coaches you're ever going to hear. Hmm. And I say it with a straight face, and I don't care if there's going to be 10 people in the room or 100 or whatever it is, if I was sitting in the chairs hearing someone say that, no matter who it was, I'd shut them off right away. Yep. I'd put them on like, who's this arrogant SOB, who is yep. this guy? And then I'm going to get in, dive into how I define success. Hmm. How, because for me, it is helping a young man that was suicidal not take his life. Helping a young man who's going through parents who are divorced staying in school. Helping, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I do feel like I'm one of the best coaches out there. Not, no, I'm not saying that better than other coaches. Mm-hmm. I think as a society, we say, hey, if so-and-so is the best, that diminishes the quality of others. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way. No. You can be one of the best coaches, parents, mothers, fathers, and it doesn't take away someone else's life. And I don't want to get too philosophical. But mm-hmm. the whole thing is, you know, lighting one candle doesn't diminish another one. Yep. So I, I feel like as coaches, we have that chance to light so many candles and not take away from anyone else's. Yeah. That's all right. No. No, I love I love that man, and that's that is a great metaphor. The 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 candle thing. I think that's like there are two ways. Yeah, I mean, one option if you are trying to essentially be if if you're trying to essentially this is not a totally flush out idea, but if you're trying to be your best self or attract as much attention or or, or garner as much accol- as many accolades as you can, one of your options is yeah, put out the candles around you, and I think yeah. that's that. And people people do that. That is a very real and unfortunate thing not recognizing that like we could all kind of grow from this right I, I, i'm gonna use that metaphor i like that a lot um and and okay so i've got an important question that that brings me to also uh you mentioned god earlier and that has that the candle lighting has um i don't know if i just invented that but it has sort of a religious feel to it um right. One question that we have talked about, I've had this conversation in coaching meetings before, like we have, um, is, is how to address and bring that up, um, like, like religion, how to fold that in. If that's a real, very real part of you, how do you yeah. fold that into your coaching without um, pushing anyone to the, you know, who's not a believer or believes in a different religion? How do you do that without pushing them to the periphery? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. The first day that we have any meeting, I tell them if they don't believe what I believe, they're wrong. Hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, that's a good, just put a firm line down. Yeah, I like wrong. that. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> funny too, because I, I think it is such a great question. When any of us are passionate about something, hopefully we respect the fact that our passion doesn't have to be someone else's. Mm-hmm. So for me, my faith is everything. Um but I don't remember where I read this quote before. I am not smart enough to have come up with this my own, so it's not mine. But I remember reading some quote somewhere along the line that said, always preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Hmm. So I don't have to admit, Christ means everything to me. But I don't have to get preachy to someone else that is atheist, you're Jewish, whatever. Um, if I am who I think Christ is, or believe that, 
if I am selfless, if I am, if I'm serving someone else, if I am willing to pick up the trash on the field and do the, do the little things that I think so many of us do, do, um, we can do that. Now, there have been many times where I will have a parent meeting with a player in my coach's office, and I'll tell them very honestly, I'll say, can I ask you a personal question? And, you know, and then they always say yes, and I'll say, do you believe in God? Now, it's almost a 50-50. Sometimes they get, say yes, sometimes they say no. Hmm. And they say yes, they say, can I tell you what I would do You know, in that situation? And then you're sure with the moment. That might cost me my job someday because I'm at a public school. Hmm. And if it does, and I'm not trying to sound like a martyr, then I believe that God has other plans for me. Hmm. Um, when parents say, no, we don't, um, then I just say to them, all right, well, let me tell you this. And I, and I go down a different road. And sure. sometimes they'll say, well, what were you going to say? Hmm. You know, they do ask. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask you that question trying to teach you or trying to trick you. And then, and then I share with them. Um, I had one father one time walking up the field. His, his back in New Hampshire. His son heard his name. He's like, coach, what do we do? And I said, well, you saw Eric, our trainer. So... I up for the weekend, we'll get the MRI, see Eric on Monday, and, and then I looked at him, I said, you guys believe in God as we're walking up the field? And the father stopped as we were walking, dead mm. serious, we're atheists. Kind of like I just told him to go screw him, so, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, this is about 10 years ago, complete idiot, said, I'll pray for you. Think it was funny? Huh. He didn't think it was funny at all. No. Now, it could have been an email to the superintendent, it could have been, sure. long story short, very long story short, two years later, I, I got the lengthiest email from him. After Sunday graduated, he and his wife had been through a nasty divorce, and he said, "What church do you go to? I'd love to check it out." Oh wow! It was. It could have gone either way, though. I mean, sure, it, of course. Getting fired up. Um, so I, I, I try to respect everyone, and not not because religion can be a, just like politics can be an ugly, dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, I try to live a Christ-like life and, and model that, and share it as openly as I can without shoving it on people's throats. Yeah. So. It, it's a it's a fine line, and hopefully I don't cross it too often. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's funny because it um, it uh, it comes up. It just comes up in a variety of ways. You know, like I said, yeah. we're at a four thousand. My day job is at Nutria High School, an amazing place with amazing kids. Four thousand people. You are bound to get different opinions. Right. Um, and we have this. Uh, we have a breakdown at the end of our um, sessions, and we oftentimes will ask people to bring in quotes. And we what we say is. No judgment as long as as it's appropriate. But like, yeah. if it's a song, if it's a movie, if it's whatever, if, if it inspires you, bring it in, share it with your teammates, and be ready to talk about like why it transfers. I, I mean, it's a really cool thing. Some of the some of the teams, you know this, Alex. Some of the teams just run wild with it. In fact, one of one of the teams that we worked with, um, they they printed them out every day, and at the end of the year, they had this whole collection of quotes. The team did. It, it's kind of a cool thing. And for the first time, I'm kind of amazed it was the first time because we've been doing this for years now. Uh, we had a student come in and uh, say and quote Jesus, and um, and it was like, and and it was an interesting moment. It was a wonderful quote, it definitely applied to what we were talking about. But you could tell that some of the kids in the room were like a little uncomfortable. You know, um, atheism is like people are as, you know adamant uh about that as as any you know someone you know religious person would be um we also i know for a fact we had um a muslim student in the room and you know and and um a, a number of kids who practice judaism and uh you know so there's this it was just an interesting moment especially as a public school educator because there's there's only so much you can it's a, such a worthwhile conversation but there's only so 
there's only a certain level to which you can engage. And that's, I guess, where my, that was inspiration for part of that question because um, it's important. It's an important thing to talk about and it means the world to so many people, sometimes in different variations, but yeah, I'm sure it comes up. And, And I also feel there's so much power in transparency. My players have seen me crush. Yeah. You know, back in New Hampshire, I had to coach against my own son because I was head coach in a different town where we live. Mm-hmm. So junior and senior year, my football team played against his for homecoming. Wow. Other than speaking at a funeral of a young man I, I coached years ago, that, coaching against my own son, was the hardest thing I ever had to do as a coach. Sure. And when, it wasn't premeditated, but the pregame talk, I remember like it was yesterday, um, his junior year, I talked to the team. I always talk about, hey, we're a football family, family stuff. And I started talking, I must go emotional now. I started talking to my team, and I was like, I can't take the, the emotion out of this. I said, you guys are my family, but we're playing against my son. And yeah. I went on to tell them, I remember saying, I was like, I'm going to ask you to do what I ask my son to do every day. Get up and give it your all. Yep. So, and then I got, on, I got all emotional. I was like, we're not losing this game. You know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It was, it was you know, several moments and different days and building up that that I'll never forget. But I, I think it's an important thing when we're transparent with our players to say, hey, this is, this is my belief, whether it's whatever you mentioned, you know, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, spiritual, whatever. But then respecting it. And I think that's such a great teaching opportunity to, to our players also, student mm-hmm. athletes. Say, listen, I don't believe that, but man, I respect the heck out of it mm-hmm. because of passion. You know, and just to have that moment also. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too because you, when you talk about your beliefs, you talk about the behavior outcome, behavioral outcomes of those beliefs. So yeah. that's something like whether you share the overarching rationale, whether you share the why in that regard, um, right. you know, you can certainly respect the behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's interesting. I like it. Well, um, on that provocative note, because some people who listen to this are definitely public school teachers, uh, <laughs> my man Alex has um, what we call the lightning round for you, how do you? Are, I can see that you're sitting down. Do you feel prepared for this? I'm I, I'm stretched. I can't. I just came from the weight room, so I'm ready. I'm, Good, I'm ready to go. He's ready to go. Rapid fire. Get him, Alex. <laughs> All right, let's do this. What was your first job? My first job ever, ever was selling Christmas trees back in New Hampshire, just unwrapping them and just selling them in, the, in the, some parking lot. How were you as a salesman? I'm pretty darn good. Christmas I believe Christmas. it. Not every year. I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the first album you ever bought and the first concert you ever went to? <laughs> first album. I'm an ACDC fan through and through. But I'm going to really date myself here. I think the first album ever was Quiet Riot. Oh, oh yeah. Come on, feel the noise. And uh, first concert ever was uh, it was uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan in a little tiny little venue in Providence, Rhode Island. It was it was it was very cool, and I wasn't a big Stevie fan, but a buddy of mine had tickets. So why not? Is uh is Quiet Riot and ACDC still on the weight room playlist to this day? Quiet Riot is not ACDC, is and I, I tell my players all the time. I always let our captains do the pregame warm up music, and I say, listen, it, it, it's got two halves. It has to have at least two ACDC songs. It has to be clean. It's got to be edited. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, what is one habit that you can't go without? Oh, dear God, this is a can of worms. Um, <laughs> habit, 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 habit. I, I, I just yelling and screaming in the weight room. It just, it, 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 I don't, I, we have a no swearing policy. Um, 
on the football field, it's uh, I get really emotional. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a habit or not, but I, I I can't be in the weight room and have it be quiet. I can't be in the weight room and not get pumped up when someone's working hard. What is your favorite football drill and why? And what's your favorite lift and why? I'm going to start with an easy question here for me. The favorite lift are cleans, power or hand cleans. I just love teaching the breakdown of the triple extension, of the importance of getting kids to realize the difference of fast twitch and slow twitch muscles. Um, and it just, you know, the squat. Squat and clean are, are the mother of all lifts, the king of all lifts. So clean is my answer to the, to the list. Favorite drill in football is what we call we call total line, and we get two players in whatever their depending if it's an offensive or defensive day, and they're towing that line. They're in a four point, three point, two point stance, and there's no football involved, no bags involved, and they're practically nose or face mask to face mask at the start of the drill. And your goal is to just to fit in and tow that line. You want to get that guy off that line and just drive him back. And it's just for me, it's just a gut check. It's just man on man, just who who wants it more. Love it. So we alluded to this idea earlier. We we talked about um, like how we define a kind coach as someone that's able to balance toughness and kindness at the same time. Is there a coach from your past who sticks out as having those qualities? Yeah, it was my high school coach. Uh, both my defensive coordinator and the head coach, Coach Perry. Was uh, a butcher in town, larger than life. I mean, he had he had every part of him. His wrist, his ankles were. I don't, I don't think they were smaller than ten inches, you know, around. Um, he was just a large man with a with a huge heart, huge heart. And uh, Coach Sandy Gorham, our head coach, was uh, played at the University of Rhode Island. He was a linebacker and a swimmer of all things. And uh, he he just uh, he cared about us as people, you know. And, and for me, that. That stuck with me, and I'm going to go off topic very quickly, but uh, I had a math teacher in seventh grade. I hated math. Math was hard for me. But he would sit on his desk for about five minutes every class and just talk to us about football, about drama, and I just, he cared. So I, I that was the first time I ever wanted to be a teacher was in seventh grade. I was like, this guy cares. Like, this guy really, he doesn't care so much about, or more about the, the academics, but he cared about us as people. And for me, that that means everything. When a player or a, stu- or a student knows that you love them for who they are, not for how they can help you achieve your goal, for me, that that makes all the difference. Awesome. All right, last one. Uh, you are undoubtedly a leader in this field. So, what advice would you give to a future leader who hopes to embark on a similar journey? Well, for, first of all, and I mean it truly, and I'm not trying to sound how I that means a lot. You know, I'm pumped. To, talk to you guys and connect to you guys and just be here. Thank you. Um, the advice I would give to, to anyone, old or new, because I think some people have been in the sport for years and, and have learned from people maybe that weren't the best mentors, first know your why. Know it inside and out, and I think why can change depending on seasons in life and things we go through. So know your why, and I think just really up there with that one is to uh, be true to yourself. I, th- I think there's a danger in coaching where we, we look at one successful coach, however we define success, and we think that guy's a yeller or a screamer, or that guy wears long pants, so I'm going to wear long pants, or that guy wears sweatshirts cut off, so I'm, you know, be true to yourself. I, I think parents, teachers, administration, and players will see through all the, the nonsense. If we're true to ourselves, 
we're going to connect with someone in the right way. Love it. Nailed it. So you can't technically um, pass or fail the lightning round, but <laughs> A+. Plus. All right, thank you. Um, thank you. I got one last question that some of those reminded me of. Um, I'm actually working on a, a research article um, on self-talk. And yep. I wonder if there's anything that you kind of find yourself coming back to in terms of self-talk, like um, any any kind of mantras, anything you use in terms of framing or uh, maybe language you advise your kids to use or anything yeah. in that arena. That's a great question. What, one, one thing is it is a spiritual thing for me personally, and I, and I don't really share this with the players. Sure. Um, but, and, and I'm not a scriptorian by any means, but you know, there, there's a scripture. I don't even know if it's Old and New Testament, to be honest with you. Sure. But God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So when I start to doubt myself or to feel bad about myself or doubt certain, whatever it is in life, I continue that. That's my mantra that just God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. But realize for me that if I'm doubting myself or the circumstances, I'm, I'm allowing that negative influence of me to come in and it's not from God. So that helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, Another one that I share with players a lot is just the power of visualization. I'm a huge believer in, you know, I tell my fourth graders, I have them close their eyes and I say, with their eyes closed, I'm gonna, I'm, I say, I'm gonna say one word, and I just say dog. And then after about five seconds, I say, open your eyes, and I'll just point to them, and I, I don't want to bait them. I say, what came to your mind? And they'll say, my golden retriever, or my puppy. I'll, I'll say, let's do it again. So we go through a lot of that. I say, car or truck, and then we finally get to, we don't think in words. Almost no one thinks D-O-G. We think the dog we love, the dog we hate, the dog we have to feed, or whatever. We think of the car we want, the car we had, or whatever. Um, so I, I believe in vision boards. I put that up there. I talk to the players about visualizing what we want to do. And then once again, to go full circle. Hmm. So if we're visualizing a state championship, or visualizing a certain job or degree, or living somewhere, making sure that our actions match that vision of that why. Nailed it. All right, so that's all we've got for today. But like, I you have an open invite to come back and share your message whenever you want. Um, we accept your invitation to come sleep on your couch out yeah. in California. So uh, we're uh, we're in for that, which is great. Um, but honestly, man, I, like I said at the beginning, we respect you. We respect the work you do. I hope you, I hope you continue to continue pushing forward. And, and I say this in no uncertain terms but changing lives for the better i love what you guys are doing and it, it, it truly is uh it's humbling to be on here with you guys this week's episode is brought to you by remind recover remind recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout remind recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function i am a huge fan of remind recover it is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen. And feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.